Hey guys, what's going on? It's your girl, Ash. Welcome to the Ash X Podcast. Guys, today we are so honored to have on an incredible guest. I cannot put this into even words because honestly, I'm kind of shell-shocked that I've, I've been even able to talk to him. DJ Tommy Trash is here with us today and we are going to talk more about spirituality. We are going to talk more about ayahuasca. If you guys don't know what ayahuasca is, ayahuasca is a drink where basically it's a tea and it was created years ago by indigenous tribes and it essentially allows you to hallucinate in order to enhance your spiritual journey. Um, it's something I've always wanted to try. I haven't gotten a chance to, so to talk to him about it and his firsthand experience is super incredible. Um, and he goes into more de- about in depth about the music industry and how in a lot of times when you create commercialized music it actually you know it becomes all about the money and he felt that through ayahuasca he was able to really just change the trajectory of his musical career it was super neat to talk to him and just i feel like he has such an eclectic personality so it's just like really it was really fun but yeah i hope you guys enjoy this and let me know what you think How are you? I'm good. I uh, just got back from tour yesterday night from Minneapolis and, you know, back into the weekday routine. So I live in Ocean Park in LA, which is. Oh, that's awesome. It's kind of like, you know, Santa Monica gets pretty hectic and Venice gets pretty hectic. Even mm-hmm. more hectic, and then in the middle, you've got this nice little quiet pocket, and that's Ocean Park. I I currently live in New York City. Are you in NYC, right? But I'm not there right now. <laughs> um, I I'm in Colombia. There's like a big. There's actually heavy music influence here. Um, for um, reggaeton, have you ever heard of that like type of genre? Um, so we went to something. It was like last weekend. It was called La Solar Festival. And there's like Paul Van Dyke, uh, Shiba San, like. Paul Van Dyke's great, man. He's like, mate, he's been doing it forever and is still so good. Yeah, it's like so classic. He's so passionate. He'd have to be one of the most passionate DJs I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> like he, yeah. he's so full on into it. I fucking love it. He gets so into it. And I feel like honestly, it's such a skill to be able to like hold a crowd like that. He definitely knows how to do all of that. And and he just gives yeah. off so much energy. De- yeah. I mean, I've just seen him at festivals and at club shows, and it's just like that's, wow. oh, that's so lots cool. to learn from that guy, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many artists. Like, and I, I think that's what my what's my favorite part about like going to these mu- music festivals is like you discover all new artists that you might not even know about. Like, you just go like go to different stages and you get a feel for their music. Yeah, I mean, totally. Just like, I mean, I don't really go go to that many festivals anymore. But I mean, <laughs> back in the day when I used to, you know, go up. You know, Back in the, the day, time, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even know who was playing or what. But it's like it's like, oh, f- who the fuck is this? Like, and then you'd become a fan from just seeing them. Like, I mean, I used to go to a lot of um, band music festivals. You know, like yeah, back in the 
like, like what are a few back then? in the late 90s and early 2000s and stuff wow that's cool honestly you look younger i feel that's younger. a good thing i feel younger now yeah I feel younger now than when i first started touring in the states oh interesting why do you think that is i think i'm definitely trying to take care of myself a lot more is that is that like is that like working out and like eating right and things like that or just like just everything it's just everything um you know like mind body soul you know like um, oh gosh. Yes. um yeah. so you know like what you put in your body whether it's food drugs um you know or if it's the way you think it's you know because mental you know your sort of mental approach to stuff is probably one of the most important things I think definitely or even for physical health just you know the way the way you think can drastically improve or decrease your physical health you know yeah like for example stress you know stress you know people have all sorts of crazy reactions um because of stress and you know so and I think that's what was going on with me too you know like DJing was always a very stressful thing for me like very stressful <laughs> like, like like the whole process of even like producing music too or even just like just like being up there too I don't know really I just think it was the whole thing the whole process I think it was all the traveling and yeah running on empty and and then I don't get nervous in front of crowds or anything like that, um, but yeah, I think it was just like always running on empty, and then you'd always I'd always be sort of at like just always ready to snap or like a breaking point, you know, like yeah. Were, were you were you just like partying too as you're going to all these places and like you're just constantly? There's definitely a lot of partying, and I think. Um, but even when I was like, I do months of touring without partying and I would still mm -hmm. be really stressed. It's a lot of pressure, you know, like you have like a whole, like you have a bunch of people that are like counting on you or you feel like you have to put something out. Like I can only imagine what that feels like. Yeah. I mean, I didn't realize what was really going on at the time though, because it was just such a whirlwind and it's like I was in the middle of this tornado that was just going around everywhere, you know? Um, yeah. and it wasn't until... I left touring, I left the States at the start of 2018. So I did my last show end of 2017. And then I went to Thailand and, um, and oh my gosh, it wasn't funny. until I stayed there for like a year and a half. Um, and I thought I was like never going to tour again. I thought I was never going to make music again. And I was super happy with that thought, you know, because like the last thing I wanted to do was tour. The last thing I wanted to do was make any more fucking bangers yeah. <laughs> you know like, if, if we just take a step back for a second was that your goal initially like was your goal to to be like that to put out hits and have make music that you knew was going to blow up or was that never your intention behind it and when it happened you kind of felt like it, it wasn't really like it wasn't the right lifestyle for you you know it's funny like it, it's it's i think any artist that says they don't want to hit is lying yeah. <laughs> whether they're lying to themselves or they're lying to the public or um but it also depends on like what genre like because you could be making underground music and still have an underground hit 
You know, yeah. like there's hits in every genre, man. So- oh, 100%. Definitely. A hit can look very different for depending on which, you know, what, what, what genre you're doing and what kind of artist you are. But for me, it was like, of course I wanted big records, but I definitely didn't see myself making like super commercial music. Like that's not kind of what I thought I was as an artist, you know. You were gonna go down that route, yeah. I and and then you know um, I had some these records that Swedish House Mafia were playing and Tiesto and these kinds of guys. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of gradually got more and more pulled into the the EDM like scene. Like, yeah, that was going on, and then and then you know. Uh, once Reload happened, it was like- Oh my gosh, which by the way, Reload is a classic. That was like, that was my absolute favorite. Like, it's it's crazy. You, you know, it's funny, like, cause now I, I look at that song super fondly. It's like- Yeah. It's like such a tumultuous relationship with Reload for so many <laughs> years. Wait, why do you say that? <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, right? But I no, 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 no. I, I mean, you're, it's. I mean, it's the truth. So, so when when I first did the record, so basically it started off as just me making the record on my own, and I mean, I was chatting with Ingrosso online, and and he's like, "Oh, do you have any records? I'd love to do a collaboration," because he was playing a bunch of my my remixes and some of my originals and stuff. He was like, uh, I was like, look, I just made this record last week, but it's pretty raw. And I sent him the first version of Reload. It's actually called Twinkle Toes because I'd sprained my ankle and I'd broken my ankle. Sorry, I broke the bottom of my fibula, maybe it was. And and I was in a bit of a cast and, and I was like sitting on my brother's um, at his kitchen table with my foot up, with my toes like going like, yeah. Kind of You're like, oh, let me call it Twinkle Toes. <laughs> so that's the so relay was originally called Twinkle Toes. And, and I oh, sent it. I sent actually the first time it got played on radio, um, it was on a Tiesto show. And the name of the file was Twinkle. And I think somewhere online, if like I haven't even like checked in so many years, but I remember first when Tiesto first played it before, way before it was ever released, and it was like twinkle id (laughs) id artist but called it twinkle that's so funny where people like commenting they're like what does twinkle mean yeah it's so so but then but so basically in grosso i sent him all the parts and then um he he sort of produced it up a lot more to sound like so it sounded a lot more swedish house mafia because my original version was very electro, like it was like so raw and and just just grimy, like it was like super heavy. Yeah, which is so weird to think because it's such you know. He, it's like it's not like that. Like it's I'm not like that anymore. Now. But I mean, it was like all the same melodies and the same lead synth and stuff. But I had used like all those crunchy bass lines that I was kind of doing at the time in all my remixes. So Ingrosso definitely made it more palatable, I think, for like a wider audience. And then he also organized the vocal with John Martin and that whole Swedish crew that, I think there's like three or four of them that wrote the vocal. Um, so it was a bit of a team effort, that that song, you know, I think everyone played their part in that record, you know, like it just yeah. wasn't. 
it just wasn't there was so much more to it than just me or Justin Grosso or even just John Martin you know it was like there was more people behind the scenes you know so like what what was the story behind behind the track like how did it get to where it was and like what was the evolution behind that as well like did it take like how how long did it take you for that dude I reckon I worked on the record total of like a couple of days like that's all it's probably one of the records I spent the least amount of time on because then it kind of got taken out of my hands pretty early on yeah buying Grosso and then and then me 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 and Seb didn't have anything to do with writing the vocal yeah, so the boys wrote the vocal and then Ingrosso took a long time really going back and forth, you know, with the mix down. So I think Seb spent more time on it than me, but I don't know. UK, it's hard to say what's the most important part of the song, right? Because without everyone's input. It would never be what it is today. No, yeah. No. You know, and I don't, I think if I just kept the song for myself um, as just an instrumental, I don't think it would have gone anywhere near as big as what it would have been without the vocal and also just the change of the the change in production because you know essentially he made it a Swedish House Mafia record really like it sounded very Swedish House Mafia you know it does no it does but then that kind of pulled me into this whole other kind of lane of um really commercial EDM yeah I was always trying to ride the fringe you know like you know, and that's why, like, doing songs with digitalism and doing songs with A-Track and, you know, trying to just having, like, kind of one foot in the EDM land but trying to have the other firmly printed outside of EDM. Like, even, like, doing stuff with Kill the Noise, you know, it's, like, just trying to make sure that I wasn't You're just, doing, you still have one foot in, yeah. Completely. Just trying to keep everything a little bit more eclectic um, than just going straight pure EDM. Towards commercial, yeah. But but, but the reload just leave, left such a big shadow. Um, it was hard to get out of that shadow, you know, which is why I say I had such a tumultuous relationship with it because <laughs> like it brought so many opportunities and so many amazing experiences and connections. and But also it was like it felt like, the end result of the record wasn't totally who I was and wanted to be and didn't represent, didn't represent who I was and what I wanted to be as an artist. So it's a funny thing. I've never really talked about this ever publicly. I think my friends have heard it all. (laughs) Probably too many times. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. It's, it's funny now because now it's like I have, I'm I'm a lot more detached from it, right? After all this time away, and and I can just look at it for what it was and appreciate it. I don't think it was very present at all. It's interesting because I um I interviewed someone who's you know who's a music artist, and uh he was telling me how and he had a massive stage at um, EDC Las Vegas, and he was just saying how like he didn't feel like when I was at that in that stage and I was like just watching him like I remember I was like this is crazy like there's so many people like the energy was so cool but to him he didn't feel that way um and that's very common that's very common with artists like I know once you get bigger like you you don't think you're you don't think it's it's so interesting it's like you just you know you go from playing small clubs to slightly bigger clubs to slightly bigger clubs to big clubs 
then to you know maybe small festival stages to slightly bigger festival oh, stages yeah. and then all of a sudden you're playing like you know I mean I, I don't know what the biggest festival stages I played but definitely EDC Mexico was pretty big oh wow is that is that bigger than EDC Las Vegas I don't even know I don't, I've never played main stage Las Vegas I've played I'd always play maybe what the set the second the second stage which was still fucking big yeah <laughs> No, no, it's still, I mean, yeah, the biggest one, yeah. In my opinion, like, I think that, like, I would rather do, like, a tent, like, of, you know, five to 10,000 people than a stage of 40,000 people, which I yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, the there's probably, it's more intimate, right? Yeah, like, it, I think stuff can be too big, you know, so I'm, uh, I'm definitely more of a fan of, enclosures oh i definitely i don't like speaking to big groups me either like i mean even <laughs> I if it's like, like there's 10 people like i like to just connect with one person and i like to like connect with them there like um, yeah. that's why i don't like getting on the mic during my sets <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so funny pre-programmed the pre-programmed things to say in the mic yeah you know what's funny because when i went to i went to when i went to edis las vegas this past year i was with like I don't know with the group but I, I was with one of my friends and he hates when people get on the mic like he's like can they shut up like I just want to hear the music I mean I don't want to drop names right now but there's some people that could do a lot less on the mic yeah, <laughs> and EDM like EDM got so crazy with how yeah. much mic people were using I feel like the genre became a caricature of itself actually like it just got so ridiculous you know, I mean, I, I maybe it's just different crowds and different expectations, you know, rather than playing necessarily for straight EDM crowds now. I mean, I, but then I feel like like all that, that the tech house stuff is to me, I think that's like the new EDM anyway, in a way. Yeah, all of that, like, 100%. Like, I mean, I think it's cooler than what EDM was. Like, you know, like the Chris Lake Fisher stuff. Like, it's definitely cooler for sure. Like, you know, the... You know, Chris is like, I love Chris. He's, you know, fucking amazing DJ, great producer. Um, so it's definitely cooler. And I think you there's more scope to actually DJ for real mm-hmm. rather than just playing a pre-programmed set of stuff. Because that's, that's like the up thing. there. Like, yeah. Because that's the thing. When you're when you're like playing 45 seconds of a record, the whole thing is pre-programmed, right? Like because so, so are they just are like are you just like pressing buttons up there? Like when they're pressing buttons up there, if it's pre-programmed, like is that is that really is that hard to do? When you're doing a pre-programmed set, and then it's easy to mix really quickly if it's pre-programmed. Um, you just don't want to be like figuring out what you're gonna play next, and you know maybe you've got 15 seconds to decide. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. And you're you just have up to be there kind of like... present to the yeah. crowd as well, and. Um, um but i just think they're two different animals i think one is just a it's it's more like a straight up like performance that's like you know it's just a show per se whereas you know dj set that's more housey you know i mean it's still a show i guess but it's like you know there's more wiggle room for you know to make each set a bit different like and make it what it like their own and just like yeah yeah, and just and actually read the crowd and and you know take it in whatever direction it needs to go, rather than it just being pre-programmed. And this is what you get, like 
take it or leave it, you know, which is what a lot of, but the, you know, the, these EDM guys are packing every, their, their set with so many bootlegs and hits that it, you know, for the commercial crowds, of course it was going to work. You know, it's, it's like when every song has a vocal that everyone knows. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it seems to be standing the test of time, like with, um, you know, like streaming numbers. I mean, if anything, mm-hmm. the streams are getting more over time. Oh my gosh, because you just want to keep like, I feel like you want to listen to that stuff that you like listened to when you were younger, like, yeah. you, like thought was cool. It's like you listen to you hear it again. You're like, oh my God. Like, so it's, it's like nostalgic. I, I'm, I'm actually like, I'm, I'm wondering when someone's going to remake it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and do their own version. Oh, I mean, you know. I feel like all a lot of those records, the big records from those times are starting to get remade. You know, and that's the thing. that I think that's the thing now for me. It's like I can appreciate it for what it is and for what it mm-hmm. was and for what it is, you know. Looking um, back on it, yeah. Looking back, yeah. So it's all love, Reload. I'm sorry for the way I felt before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, I love you now. It's like a love-hate relationship. I love you, Reload. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would you say was like one of the worst parts of you, parts of like the music industry for you during that time? EDM really became all about the money. Feel like a lot of artists and the business surrounding the artists, it definitely wasn't about the music. That's what I think. And I think, I just think that, I mean, there's, you know, this is obviously just my take on it. So, you know, probably people will disagree with me. And look, people need to make money to be able to, to do their careers and, and mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, so we can actually put on these events and, and, and people can have careers. And, you know, so, I mean, so that's what I would have thought at the time. And looking back now, I still think it was too much about the money. And I, I you know, eh. but that maybe that's just because I, maybe I was like caught up in the wrong scene. <laughs> like I should have been in a different scene. And, you know, cause like, I know a lot of EDM guys that they just think it's the best thing ever. And they live that, they just live that EDM fucking life. <laughs> yeah. They're like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, but yeah. I, I, I try and like the way I sort of look at it is it's like what do I think made me what 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 grinded on me and what was not making me happy you know you know that's on me I think more than the industry or my management or anyone else you know so for me it's more about like how do I get myself into a position where I'm feeling happy and content and, 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 you know, taking, taking, you know, rather than just sitting on Twitter and fucking complaining about everything and, you know, bitching about this and that, and just like, you know, taking responsibility for. So important. So, So for like, well, I'm in control of the music I make. I'm in control of, um what gigs I do and don't do like you know no one's got a gun to my head saying you must play 
in Vegas. You know, here. like you know, you know, because like my Vegas, my Vegas. I use that as an example. That comes to mind because it's like that was that was the the ultimate example of having to play the music I did not want to play for the money. Really? Oh, because Vegas. I mean, it makes sense too. But I feel like Vegas can be crazy. You know, um, I'm not talking about EDC Vegas. I'm talking about like the Vegas nightclubs. But um, over time, that sort of wears on you, right? Like, yeah, like it's like the frog, the frog that gets cooked slowly in water over time, and he doesn't realize that he's being cooked until he's dead. You know? Yeah. Like, that's kind of how that all was for me. You know, like it, it's like I'm so glad that that happened and then it reached the point that I felt like I needed to walk away rather than me continuing it not getting as bad and then I just kept doing it and kept doing it kept doing it for like way longer because I think you know health-wise I probably wasn't on the best trajectory like physically so so when you were there and this is like this is a weird question but like were you like is it common that like everyone's just doing drugs too when you're up there or is it like not like that? Or is everyone, is everyone different? I, I never, I never did drugs when I DJ. Yeah. I know some guys that do, but I think it's more just like, um, it's more just like getting boozed. I think most people just drink. Um, people who do drink, there's, there's a bunch of guys that don't drink who some have just been sober forever and some, you know, had something bad happen to them and then became sober because, you know, something fucking horrible happened. Um, but it's pretty common for people to, you know, to be drinking heaps. That's very normal. Yeah, no, I've seen, I've seen that before. Yeah. So it's so crazy, right? Because it's like, what job in the world can you just rock up to the office hammered? Yeah, and it's like totally acceptable. Yeah. But not only acceptable, it's kind of encouraged. Like, like, yeah. Like, I I, I remember going to certain clubs around the country and the promoter would be there and he's like, mate, shots now, you know? And then we do like fucking four shots before the set in a row. Like, 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 could you imagine going to a normal job and that's like, it just never would fucking happen. You get fired. Actually though, wait, side note. So I interned for this company, it's called Licks Cocktail Shots. And when I came into office, I was a marketing intern. He was like, you're taking a shot. And I was like, I was like, really? He's like, yeah. Like, so every single day, religiously, we did take shots. But that was the one exception. I mean, okay. Hospitality, hospitality. Yeah. I- you, you, you were working for a cocktail company, but I think also like hospitality is an industry where like you could drink on the job and it's acceptable. Mm-hmm. Maybe not get like totally fucking wasted, although I got it. But you could have like a little bit, yeah. Your tender friends who get wasted on the job. One hundred percent, yeah. It's so it's so easy to if you are, yeah. So yeah, so the partying and 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 I think like doing that over a long period of time, it just it's like it takes its toll on you in so many ways like 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 mentally yeah and yeah like mentally and physically like for me I would become really anxious um and so to 
help with the anxiety, I dream. Yeah. It's like the first thing you could think of. Yeah. And then it came this sort of, you know, this circular kind of thing where you 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 drink, then you get anxiety. You drink to like get rid of the anxiety, which would make you more anxious. And you just became in this cycle of like a loop. Yeah, a loop. Yeah, and so, um, and 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 so, like, I guess, like, you know, when I went to Thailand, you know, I didn't. I don't think I drank for like six months. Oh wow! I just totally. Yeah, but I also didn't feel like I needed to. I didn't want to, like, you know, it's fortunately, I think for me, it's like I don't necessarily have an addictive kind of personality. I have addictive te- tendencies. No. I, That's good. So it's for me, but then it'd be like if I'm in a situation where I, you know, would be drinking, you know, we would just go all out, you know, just and just. Yeah. until sunrise you know like yeah 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 yeah. i mean if you and also if you're already like if you're already up there and like i don't know you're like with people and you're just i mean it's so easy to just keep going <laughs> but i definitely I, like on this tour like i've definitely like some nights i've drank and some nights i haven't drank and i actually just think i enjoy djing more so when i don't drink yeah yeah like, i think i have a much um I think the experience is much more real. Um, it's not blurry. I feel like when you're drunk, you're it's kind of like a little bit like gray. I think there's a, yeah. I think like, I think there's the danger <laughs> too when you're drinking, if you're actually drunk and you're DJing and you just think you're killing it, but you're not. Yeah. Like you're just drunk, you know? You're like, just drunk and you're like, and everything sounds better. You're like, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so funny. Every I think any DJ who's, who drinks has been in that position before where they thought they killed it and actually they were just fucking hammered. And then you like listen back at it and you're just like, this is not as good as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. 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 But, um, <laughs> but I think when you're sober, you're more like, you're just more aware of what's going on. Right. So chances are if the club's like going, if it's going really well, chances are it actually is, you know, yeah, uh, like and you're just more you're just more aware of when it's not going well, so you can switch it up and you know and like read the crowd, read the crowd, right? Yeah, it's the most important part. Reading the crowd is so important. Do you feel like if you see a crowd, you can automatically tell like I don't know, you, like you can just no. tell like the energy? Sh- no, <laughs> no. I to be honest, I don't think I'm very good at reading the crowd because I spent such a long time of my career just like not really having to do that right like because I'd be just be rocking up to gigs and playing a lot of my own records and mm-hmm. you know and then that's 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 the whole thing right it's like this whole thing between it being like just like a show versus just a proper DJ set I think there's different kinds of DJs yeah and I think for a long time I would even if I didn't plan it, I don't, I never really ever planned out my sets per se, but I knew that, well, if I was going to play like say 30 records in a set, I knew that 20 of those records are going to be my records. Got it. So typically plan out really, a set beforehand. You only really got 10 to choose from like for the rest of the set. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you do you normally like pre-plan the set? So like, will you like break it down on paper or something and be like, okay, this these are the no. You just kind of let it flow. So what I do. So before every show now, I'll always like so. There's the program we use called Record Box, which is a it's how you organize your files for your for your USB stick. Okay. And so I'll make a play. I'll make a playlist for every set that I do of about probably about a hundred records, and they're okay. like my hundred go-to records, and that's like a mixture of my own records and other people's records. But it's never really in order. Like on, um, I'll know maybe what, I know that I'm going to open with probably, you know, like for the Jaguar tour, like I'll open with a remix of Jaguar, one version of Jaguar, and I'll probably close with that reload edit. Like that's kind of what I know before the show. And the rest of it's just kind of like, yeah. So cool. I, I do know that I'm probably going to start off more housey and I'm going to end more melodic, melodic techno -y depending on what I can get away with, you know, depending on what I can get away with in the set. Oh, yeah, that's, I love techno music. Love. So, so, I mean, some of the sets I've been actually playing, like, proper techno as well. Like, like I just love playing this kind of stuff. But I also feel like there's only so much you can do in 90 minutes, you yeah, know? yeah. But if I was playing like if I was playing like four or five hour sets, I think there's like a lot more leeway to to go on a bit more of a exploration. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Ash X podcast. Just going into it too, like how has um, like spirituality like affected your mental health? Like I know we haven't really like touched upon that at all, but like what it what is your take on that? Well, so let me rewind like a little bit. So you know, like I was I've always sort of I've always felt like I've always dipped my toes into spirituality, but I think that. I was probably more like, I like to talk about it more than actually doing it. <laughs> like, you know, there's like a lot yeah, of people out there that, I think, you know what I mean? And, and, and yeah. so like, and so I just, I was like, um, I'd be meditating on and off while I was living in LA, you know, probably from about 2015, but not really doing it enough to, for it to really take full effect. Um, I hate meditating. And then, and then of course, just like, just, but then just doing stuff on the weekend that would just totally yeah. contradict what you would 
you know, the, the meditative lifestyle, you know, so like. Do you, do you ever feel like getting so, into meditation is hard? Like I, I actually, like, I like the feeling after I meditate, but at, like thinking about meditating and like getting into that state, I don't enjoy that. Like, I don't enjoy going from like here and then. I Totally. And especially if you're not, I find if I'm not meditating frequently, mm-hmm. whenever I try and do it, it's like, I just want to get up. I yes. want to get up or like. Something different. Yeah. You know, so it's definitely one of those things where you've got to treat it like if you're going to the gym or anything else. Just if you want to become a good piano player, you've got to practice every day. Mm-hmm. And 100%. It's definitely like that. You can't just be like, I'm going to meditate a couple of times and now. Yeah. And like, medit- I'm a meditation master. Like, it's like this, this shit takes like years and years and years to cultivate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, so basically for me, like in 2017, I was like started dipping my toes in more. And then that's when the sort of the ayahuasca stuff started going oh on. Oh my where... gosh, wait, I need to hear about this because I really want to try ayahuasca. And... Okay. So <laughs> I, so I, oh man, like, so this is why, I mean, this is why it totally just like blew my life up in, you know, in the, best kind of way right because like I knew shit wasn't wasn't it just didn't feel right like even though I was playing gigs I was earning good money was like living in a beautiful house in LA mm-hmm. and like you know material wise everything like was like yeah and but I was fucking miserable anyway and so I was trying to meditate but that wasn't really fucking working because I was just doing so much other stuff to counteract the effects of meditation um and then so i saw this documentary um so i was dating this yoga teacher at the time and then she's like you <laughs> should cool. get like you should get gaia.com and it's got all these oh spiritual God, I love gaia. sorry love gaia <laughs> yes yeah, i still have my subscription to this day i do too so, i do too uh, I sh- oh that's right she was like you should check out gaia.com it's got all these like cool um yoga flows on it and stuff and i'm like Okay, so I like nah, 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 nah. Yeah, got yeah, into yeah. that, and then and then I was literally like, as literally the first thing that comes up on the screen is like for you, and it's like the reality of truth. This documentary, and I'm like, ooh, the reality of truth. I think I was on tour in Japan or something, and so I just had so much downtime in the hotel room. So I'm like, oh, I'll just watch this documentary. So I'm like, watch yeah. it. And it turned out it was like a, a documentary and I just knew every cell of my body knew oh, I've got to go and do this. Yeah. I've got to go and do it. Like I like knew like, and I hadn't had that feeling about something. It's the last, I just can't remember the last time I felt like this about something that I just knew. It was like just so, it, the feeling yeah, the was feeling so intense. The feeling is like you have to do, it's so intense. So, yeah. This is like, this is now, you know, so I so I went and, so <laughs> I got back to the States and I was like, well, I had a pretty full schedule, but then I had to go to Costa Rica to renew my visa. Okay. Um one visa for the states because you're from and australia okay uh, got it 
and it turns out that the the place in this documentary was also in Costa Rica. No um, this way. I was like, so because at that stage I didn't really know much about. I didn't really know like how many places there were to do it. So I knew about this place, which was like definitely like a. It sounds kind of wanky, but it's more like your five star version of going to the jungle. Mm-hmm. Like it's like nice beds and you know, like nice food and very Things comfortable. Like you know, yeah, very comfortable, very comfortable. Um, what was it and called? Since then I've done it in in Colombia in like you know, wait, definitely wait, wait. not five stars. Did we say you've done it in Colombia before? You've been to Colombia? Yeah, I did it. I've been to Colombia. I went to. We flew into Bogota and then we drove for like four or five hours in the hills somewhere in in Bogota. But, you know, we're surrounded by like, we're surrounded by all the the vines that they make ayahuasca out of and stuff, which is supposed to be super important when you're doing ayahuasca. You should be surrounded by all the plant. Yeah. Got it. it, Let's rewind to Costa Rica. So... I go, I do my, um, I, I do my interview for the, for the, for the new visa. And then I drive straight up to this, um, this place and I stayed there for a week and I, you know, the first two nights were just like party nights. Like it was just crazy fun, like yeah. tripping balls. Just oh my like, God. Just wow. Fun. Just fun, and I was yeah. just so arrogant, right? I was like, "Ah, oh, this ayahuasca stuff. This is like a piece of cake." Yeah. Like, this is so. Fun. Everyone else is like spewing up and shitting and screaming, and, and like, you're like, "This is great!" And like, <laughs> just and I'm in party mode. I'm yeah. just in full party mode, and it's so funny. And then the third night, and then from the minute I I drank it straight away my stomach starts going in waves like oh. like starts convulsing and then I just was like spewing up all night and I probably went to the bathroom like fucking 50 times oh and, my like, god it was intense like I was just feeling all the pain like like any, it basically was like showing me all the times that I had hurt someone, like whether I'd said something nasty to someone or, you know, like, you know, whether like you had a heartbreak from previous relationships you that the other person it. had felt, like all sorts of stuff. Any, like basically a lifetime of pain in like, in this one session, I just felt everything. Like it was like therapy. Yeah, wow. I mean, yeah, it was like I don't know how to really explain it. I mean, it's like it was just like showing me. It was just showing me, like, and then it was like, and then it, and then it made me relive the pain that people had caused me over my lifetime. So it was oh just this whole God. sort of reliving, this reliving and processing of pain. Were you like crying at any point? Like, would it make you that emotional or no? I wasn't crying, but I was just feeling physical pain. And I like felt a lot like, of pain. Yeah. Like, I felt like a lot of pain in my heart, like in my heart center. So, 
you know, it was just, yeah. So that was like a very, um, very intense night. And then the fourth night, um, it basically was like making me relive my whole past and from birth and I could see myself as a child and basically showed me a lot of the experiences that happened which turned me into who I am and like a lot of like, you know, the times where I'd been let down and how that had sort of created certain, you know, fears and insecurities and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So very, um, lots of therapy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But then being able to kind of let go of that, you know. Yeah. Um, And actually just looking back at those times without now, without an emotional charge. Um, So there's a lot of letting go, a lot of like releasing, even like resentment that I didn't even know I had because it was just so deeply buried you know, by, by the layers of time, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like we, we push these things so deep within us. You don't even realize and, it. And we don't even realize it. And, and, you know, which, you know, you know, science is, you know, starting to sort of come to grips with that, you know, emotional emotions can cause physical, you know, you know, b- bad health, you know, yeah. whether it's, you know, whatever diseases or, you know. Oh, 100%. Whole, yeah. Or, like, it's it, you know? it's so, all connected. It's all connected. Like. So, so yeah. I, so I, so that was my fourth night doing it. So there's four nights in a row. And then, so I was like fucking wrecked after yeah. like on that Friday, I was just like, oh, done. And. And then, but then I was like, I'm not finished here. So I called up my management and said, I'm staying another week. Oh <laughs> my God. They, well, what did they say? What was the response? The shows next weekend. I'm like, cancel them. I'm <gasps> done. I'm, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Good for you. Anyway, the next week was crazy. So basically the next week, three nights in a row were just the most intense sessions ever. It was just like, I was like, Last one night, I just spent convulsing the whole night, um, and then after, and and it was just showing me that I have to give up DJing, and it showed me my life. If I kept DJing, kept going on the way I was going, it showed me the pain, the suffering, the loneliness, just the bitterness that my life would become. Wow, and going there's another way there's another way and it's like was showing me like beaches and and it was like you've got to move to a beach you've got to move to a beach so is that how you ended and, up where you are now like, <laughs> well that's like oh, well <laughs> that's why Thailand. you know like it was also like it was also because i was like do i do bali or do i do thailand and in bali um i just know so many people that are in bali and i knew that i would get if I went to Bali straight away, I just party. So I decided to go somewhere where I didn't know anyone, and so I went to Thailand. I did a bunch of research, and so went to a couple of health retreats Ooh. just to like, just to like, chill the fuck out. And then I started meeting people 
in Thailand who were more on the kind of into wellness and spirituality and so, so cool. just got really involved, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Um, but so, so let me rewind though. Before I went to Thailand, I still had probably about eight or ten shows left for the year and they were like the most painful shows of my life. Like really? I literally so much physical pain every show because I knew that it was I was going against what I was supposed to be doing you could feel it but like it was just so like it's just really hard to put into words that like yeah it was just it was like physical pain it was emotional pain like painkillers weren't helping like it was yeah I mean, not, not so, the same boat, but at, like. At the minute, like I my last show was in LA for this Christmas show I did. And after that show, it was just like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. Because yeah. I was like, You're I was done. just like, I fucking made it. Yeah. Made it. And I knew, you know, like I knew that now I could go and do what was right, you know. So. Hung around LA for a couple of months, just sort of wrapping up business. And um, then my best friend came over from Australia and we went and did more ayahuasca because I was like, mate, you got to try this shit. Yeah. <laughs> so he came over. He met <gasps> That's his, so funny. He, he met his wife at the ayahuasca retreat. No way. Yeah. It was meant to be. <laughs> so he's happy. He, I'm like. I'm, I fully take credit for this marriage. This is <laughs> like, like each other's like, yep, yeah, pay for this. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> um, he, had a great, he had a great time, but also quite tough. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, and then and then in that in those four sessions, it was like it just basically gave me a list of things that I needed to do, like a proper list, like very like I could see the list, and. I got home from LA and I just started executing the list of things to do. And so within like six weeks, I I was in Thailand and I was just fucking YOLO and just, just, just living my yeah. I thought was never going to involve music ever again. I, you know, I was like, I was like, maybe I'm going to just be a meditation teacher. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I tried for six months not to make music and then I just ended up getting called back to do it. But this time I came from it from a totally different angle and it was like it was coming from a place of curiosity and, and experimentation and creating for the love of creating again. That's so important. So, so which is how I used to be in the beginning. Yeah. And then I just started, I was like making everything. I was like making indie records. I was making techno records. Oh, so cool. Yeah. Guitar, guitar songs where me singing and guitar, like, oh, like, and then eventually I got back to making sort of like housey stuff. And, yeah. You know, and then I don't know, but I still wasn't ready to dip my toes back in the water. I was just happy making music to make it. Um, that's so cool. That's such a cool story. Like, like the evolution of it, you know, and like finding. To but it was like, I had to walk away 
I had to walk away from it totally without any attachments to fall in love again with it, to fall in love with it again, you know, which now I just, I've never had so much fun making music and like, and just making such a massive variety of music, you know, like, like it's just, it's a whole other experience now. And look, you know, I'm not sure <laughs> what the future's going to hold for like, you know, if there's going to be big records or not or yeah. whatever. But was that it's like I've never had so much fun creating again. And so cool. Tr- yeah. Trying to create and the, the, the joy and the, the reward, learning that the reward is actually in the process now, not do I get 50,000 streams or, you know, not 20 million games yeah. or whatever. Like it's actually like and that kind of shit's just a bonus. That's not where the where the reward is, where the where you get your worth from or you know, like it's, all that. It's the process. So, you have to enjoy the process. The, you it's know, so important. But, and do that without any attachments. Yeah. You know, like because I think, you know, I think when you're totally detached and you just you're just doing it without any expectations or, you know, I think that's where the true magic can happen. And I think, you know, for so many people, it's like the stuff that blows up for them is the stuff that is the stuff that they least expect to blow up, you know? So I don't know. I'm just like sort of just creating to create, you know, putting some records out, trying to have some fun, playing some shows. So it's a lot more simple these days. (laughs) Yeah, no, but that's how it should be. Like, I feel like for artists, like, I mean, it's like your creative work. It's what you're putting out there. And like, if you don't, if you're not enjoying the process, if you're not enjoying a part of it, like, you know, what's the point? Like we're only, we only did this one time. It shouldn't feel, I really think that, and probably a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this, but it shouldn't feel like a job making music. No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. I, I agree with you on that. And, you know, it's, but it, it's creative. It, it should Give you it should give you more energy, not wear you down. You know, I, like it should energize. You know, like so. Yeah. So, you know, for me now, it's like a very different experience. It's a very different experience to what it was. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's still a work in progress too. You know, still there's definitely things that still trigger me. <laughs> yeah. But then that's what you know the meditations for, and you know the self reflection. And do you do you pray? Like for me, I actually don't really meditate that much. I used to meditate more, but I feel like praying feels more right. I don't know. I, everyone, I feel like you just have to find your own way. But do you ever do you ever pray? I play. I, I don't pray, um, but I I do a um, I do Vedic meditation. So I have a mantra, like a Sanskrit mantra that. Um, I just say over and over and over um, that I don't even know the meaning of. You're not even supposed to know the meaning of it. But, it's almost like an affirmation. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's it means something. I just don't know what it means. Yeah. But, you know, my teacher would say, just got to let the mantra do its work. The mantra will do all the work. Yeah. So Is it like, are you making it, certain sounds too? Sorry? Like, like what uh, – what, what is the what is the mantra? Like what like what does it sound like? 
you're not allowed to tell anyone your mantra. Oh, that's you like, can't. That's like golden. That's a golden rule of Vedic meditation. You're actually not allowed to. You're not allowed to tell anyone your mantra. So, like the Beatles, really? when the Beatles were in India doing their um, transcendental meditation, they would always like tease each other about, you know. What's your like, mantra? What's your mantra? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's so funny. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, the rumor is that even the Beatles didn't know what each other's mantras were. They, like, know? didn't like, even tell each other. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah, I didn't um, even know that. Isn't that funny? I didn't even know that. And I feel like I, I know a lot of, about this kind of stuff. But look, you know, like, there's all sorts of, you know, like, with Zen, you know, Zen Buddhism, like, um, I think – like I read this one book on it and they're saying like you just basically sit down, close your eyes and you just think in your mind like like that kind of sound. You just yeah. think it in your mind. And like, you know, that's like, you know, that, it brings it's not a, you. know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. or like. Um, you know, or even weird dust. noises. This sounds so weird, yeah. but like sometimes like, um, well, I so I, I went to school for spirituality and mental health. But one of our classes we did it on Zoom and it was like, we all had to make these like really weird sounds, like almost like you're a kid. It was like, like, but we were all doing it in unison and like the energy, like you just felt like it was like such a release and like, I don't know, like it was something like the energy with everyone doing it at the same time. It was just like an energy shift. Totally, like 100%. Like, I mean, that's why like, you know, all the chanting and stuff is like also amazing. Like, yeah. Like just doing your om chant. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. I've done some Kundalini classes as well where, you know, they have all the different, like, um, the different Kundalini mantras that, you know, they'll say, like, these Kundalini mantras will, you know, speed up, like, certain processes in your life, like, like literally as a technology, you know. So, I mean, there's all so sorts cool. of different points on it, but, I mean, you know, or you could be like, like say Ramdas. Um, he would say, you know, for his students, just be, just say like, I am loving awareness, and just being saying that over and over in your mind while you're sitting down with your eyes shut, you know, and just over saying, and I am loving awareness. I'm loving yeah. just over and over. So there is a um, look. There's just so many ways to there's skin a cat. So many. I like yeah. So for the praying thing, you know, like. There's studies being done on, you know, the brainwave states of, say, Buddhist monks and and people of great faith in different religions, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and you know, so that there might be these, like, Catholic nuns and stuff, like, who, you know, they're, they're experts in prayer, you know, <laughs> like, and, like, the, and measuring their brainwave states where they're, like, you know, they're so- all getting into these similar brainwave states, these deep, Oh, theta yeah. delta brainwave states. And I think, you know, that's sort of where the magic really starts to happen, right? Like, so if you – do you know who Joe Dispenza is? Yes, I all? do. Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah. So, so the Joe Dispenza stuff, you know, he's obviously tracking that pretty closely and doing doing this spiritual stuff from a, from a way less spiritual point of view and more from like just a science a – science point of view right Mm -hmm. so he's not necessarily talking about god as in this dude in the sky that's not at all it's more yeah 100 percent. it's more the science behind it yeah yeah um and the stuff that's going on like in his workshops is just 
fucking. Have you done any of them yet? I want to go on a retreat so bad for her stuff. Oh, I've, I've listened to his meditations. They're amazing. You know what? When I was in Thailand and I was, I don't know what hour of the day it was, but I was up and then I got the email saying the Cancun um, retreat was available for um, registration. I clicked on it and I fucking got through to the final payment thing and then I was like, oh, I better like, I better text my girlfriend because she's supposed to be coming over from Germany. And and then <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen to this. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's got better things to do than listen to me. Um, That's so funny. Uh, and then she was like, well, I'm coming over from Germany. So, like, don't you fucking go to this thing. And I'm like, oh, man. And, like, so I just canceled it. <laughs> and, then, and I've been trying to get in to his fucking retreat since and i can't get into any of them yeah no they None get of- sold out quick you kick it no 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 i know i know and, within seconds and so like i was like oh. anyway i'm like maybe it's not meant to be yet so yeah maybe not um, yet just keep refreshing your email <laughs> yeah that's so, so I, I definitely like that's definitely on my to-do list that's like near the top of my bucket list and and actually like I went a long time without doing his meditations and in the last I've literally like probably last three weeks I've started doing them again every day and man I'm getting calls phone calls from people that I haven't spoken to in ages like weird little opportunities are starting to come in wow like just unexpected stuff like yeah. he talks about like no one, right? And and I'm oh, man, like maybe this is just crazy talk. Maybe it's coincidence, but I think that these things are going on because I've started the meditations again. Because it would happen to me when I was like doing them religiously in Thailand. I would just be like getting all these like. Well, you're getting. Op- yeah, yeah. You're. You, I, don't do. You, I mean, I believe in the law of attraction. So it's like. What you put out, like what you're putting out there, your thoughts, like the similar situations are matched and things that happen. And I feel like when you continue to meditate, you become aware of like little synchronicities that go on um, and you're just more aware of it. But it's also like, you know, doing things to raise your vibration, right? Like, I mean, it's one mm-hmm. thing. You as the theory, as like for what Joe Dispenza would say, right, is like, I mean, you could think, oh, I'm – I'm going to get a new job, right? Like you want to attract a new job. But if you're feeling like I'm not worth it or... You're not you going to... Yeah. Know. Yeah. No, you're not. You're not putting but, that energy. No. Not putting, so you, you might be like thinking a certain thing, but your vibrational energy is like a, on a... Different wavelength. Yeah. Wavelength. And that's the thing about prayer or meditation you know, or like doing stuff like yoga practices, breath work as well. Breath work is so good. Which has been a really big thing talked about work yet. Um, but it, doing that stuff, I mean, it's definitely like um, a magic bullet for raising your vibration. You know. Yeah. So are you? Are you vegan? Do it. Are you vegan? Or have you ever thought Sorry. about becoming vegan? My, my body didn't react really well to being vegan, man. And I was really? like, I was doing it pretty good for a while. And I just had no energy. Mm-hmm. It was didn't with me. 
Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I mean, I I don't know, man. I I don't know if humans. I don't know if all humans in the world are meant to be having zero meat. Yeah, I just I, I'm not convinced about that. I don't think that's how we we evolved. But look, whether or 100%. not like meat pulls your vibration down because you're eating an animal, or whatever, and it's like I mean, maybe it does. The spiritual vibration but, thing, you yeah. know. So does fucking fucking alcohol. The amount of vegan yoga people I know that drink and drink and do cocaine. And yeah, it's, it's like, just what's the like, point? It's like there's no, there's no, like, yeah, yeah, t- totally. But look, there's the ethical stuff about animals for sure. But I don't know, man. Like, I mean, animals are getting killed in the wild all the time as well, you know. Like, 100%. I mean, it's, it's I, I don't know. 100%. Like, it, it's, I also just don't think I know enough about that stuff to make a educated. Make an educated, yeah. Now, listen, I don't know if we're meant to be eating meat or not. I can't answer that question. Um, but I do know that like, I mean, I was, I was vegan for six months and I felt good, but I agree with you towards the end of it. I felt, I felt really drained, but I also don't know if it was because like, I don't know, like you're out in social situations, people are eating wings, like you can't eat them. And it's like, you know, that starts to weigh on you over time. Like just like not, you know, not being able to like, you know, do the things that you actually want to do. You want to eat that. So yeah. yeah, man, and and, and 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 look, there's studies being done at the moment on long-term veganism, and and the results coming back aren't positive. Yeah, like, I see that. But veganism, like, say say if you're like 200 pounds overweight, and you're about to have a quadruple bypass in your heart. Being vegan's great. And and then go vegan, and then you turn your life around. You, you know, lose all the weight, and you're feeling good. I mean. It's veganism is obviously a good thing because maybe you're not fucking eating KFC every fucking day. And you're reversing every, day. yeah, yeah. It's Even for kids. Like, but you know, like, look, I, I don't know. But I also think like we're all made differently. Like different foods respond to different people's to bodies different people. differently. Some people can't eat. Yeah. Some people can't even eat. You know, like, yeah, no, 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 literally. I mean, I know for me, like, I can't eat, like, I mean, I still eat dairy sometimes, but I really, like, should not be eating it. Like, it's, like, not, like, so bad. I had, when I have dairy, like, I, like, I can feel like I get, I have way more, like, phlegm or mucus or whatever in my throat. Oh, yeah. That's a symptom. That's a symptom. Yeah. Yeah. Dairy, but, but, like, sort of clean meats. Like you know, like um, grass-fed beef and and pasture-raised chickens and wild-caught mm-hmm. fish and stuff. But you know, even with fish, you're like, fuck, like there's like mercury levels. And, you don't like, know. Also- you know what though? It's like, <laughs> and then I think about this, like think about the air that we breathe. We don't. We just you just don't know. Like the technology, like the phones being right next next to you when you're sleeping. Like there's so many things that like if you really go down the rabbit hole, you know, <laughs> it's like. But you know, but you look at like. To go back to like the Joe Dispenza stuff for a second, you look these pe- there's like these people that are going to his workshops, and they're fucked. Like they are literally, they are on their last fucking legs, mm-hmm. like health wise. And then within a week of a workshop, they're just like transformed. Like yeah, people with Parkinson's who can't fucking walk, and then by the end of the workshop. They're walking again and thriving. Yeah, it's Like crazy. people in pain who, like, by the end of the workshop are no longer in pain anymore. 
So it's like I think, you know, we might have all of these like toxins in our environment, but like how much are those toxins really playing a part versus the thoughts the, that we this have? This that goes on right here, yeah. I, I, I know like it sounds crazy, right? But it's like these not. people are reverse conditions that doctors said are impossible to reverse. So I just think that science, there's still so much that science has know. to sort of figure out, right? The um, thing is, is that they don't know enough about so, spirituality. They don't know. It's like, you know, and it, well, they're they're learning more. They're learning more. But it's not at the point where you can definitive, definitively tell what's going on. You know, it's it's just, yeah, you know, and even dreams. Yeah. Um, I, um, and I've been doing these, this course, um, called Gateway. Have you heard of Gateway by Bun, Bob Munro? No. Gateway? So, What's that? He's this guy who basically coined yeah. the term out-of-body experiences and the course teaches you how to have out-of-body experiences. And like, so you could basically, it's like you get into these deep meditative states and, and there's an institute over in... Virginia, like, is that near DC? Yeah, that's not far. Virginia is yeah, right next to DC. Yeah, like yeah. outside of DC, um, and it has the institute where basically you go for a week, and in the week they teach you how to have out of body experiences, and it's like, dude, Wait, I've had some... I would love to do that. I'll send you. I'll send you a link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it, that's so cool. Crazy. So I want to. So basically, after tour is up. I want to go to this institute and I, 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 cause I've been doing the meditations at night time. Yeah. And like, like I get into the deepest states during these meditations and I've only had once in, I've only had this happen once where I felt like, like it's, it's hard, it's hard to explain, but the closest thing is to explain that, part of me was like moving outside of me. I know the feeling. And I was like, and then I was like, holy shit, I'm fucking leaving my body. This is what I was thinking. I, I felt, so I, yeah, no, no, no. I felt it. I felt it. Yep. And, and then I just snapped back into yeah, my snapped, body. Like, yeah. And yeah. then I just walked up and I was just like so fucking, like I'd just been zapped. Yeah. Yeah. No, it feels like you're um, being zapped. Yeah. And, and, and then, and so I've been looking for that feeling since and I haven't had it again because I think I'm just like, I'm trying too hard to get the feeling. Yeah, yeah. you know what? You got it. You got to let it. You got to let it flow and feel what feels right in the moment. Like my my friends give me so much shit about all this kind of stuff because they think it's all such woo-woo yeah. stuff. You know? No, 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 <laughs> it's I'm not. It's so not. It's not. And honestly, this is going to sound crazy. But the reason what got me into spirituality in the beginning is like I feel energy all throughout my body, like all the time. Like it sounds fucking weird, but like literally like behind my head, like all the way down through my arms, the back of my legs, like and it's almost like validation. So like if I'm thinking something or if I'm like, like it's it's so it's so weird. And like, I feel like I'm really connected to my dreams. Like I've like people that I just there's a few people that I know like over the course of my life who have just died and I felt their energy in dreams. Like it's literally like woken me up and I don't know this, this kind of stuff. It's just, it's so weird to me. Like, I mean, it's cool. It's just like, 
there's so much unknown and it kind of can feel like lonely sometimes because like it's hard most people when you talk to them about it like <laughs> they look at you like you have three heads but unless you've experienced it uh, yeah. right yeah um and it's so you know the whole dream thing is interesting right because we spend you know basically a third of our lives in this state right like you know eight hours a night eight hours a night um seven days a week we're in this dream state and it's like it's kind of silly to not try and figure that out like 100 percent like especially when you know that people can teach themselves how to lucid dream and control that state it's like why would we not want to do that like yeah why would we especially not? when so weird. yeah man so it's um do you know yeah. what so you, basically yeah. lucid dream and i think you I, should. I, I don't know it's like no, it's just it's just so weird. Like so many people think that like dreams don't matter or like they, like this is also this is something else I'm interested in. Um like what happens after you die? Like that for me, like I've thought about that question so many times and like I just feel like most of I don't know. It's just a lot of people don't think about these things. You know, it's just like it's so like oh, you are gonna, we're in this body. Okay, you you are gonna you are gonna love this Bob Munro stuff because he talks about his experiences where he his out of body experiences where he goes to you know places in the ether whatever you want to call it and basically meets up with dead people but he does it in a conscious kind of way. Oh my so, gosh! That's just, just like so count, cool. There's like count, yeah. There's Sorry. countless people that have been to his institute that basically are chatting with dead relatives and friends and like and basically he he's like it just changes the way you think about life and death you know like because you actually realize that after death yeah there is still... stuff after death right but this is what and i so, this is my theory i mean look i haven't experienced yeah. that so so, yeah. so, but he, but he's like, so basically everyone that goes there and like, there's, you know, there's like people like you can go on YouTube and there's people that talk about their experiences at the Monroe Institute. They stop fearing death because they know that it's just, you know, when they die, they just sort of, yeah. the energy just moves somewhere else. Like they're not gone well, that's, forever, you know, that's, and, no, my, and they can I think then reconnect with people. Yeah, I think when you die, it's like cut. You're cut off. This is like what I think. You're cut off, and like basically, you. It's just like you never stop dreaming, and you. You're still there, but you don't have the same five senses that we do here on Earth. Well, yeah, I mean, you obviously don't have your physical body, right? So, mm -hmm. but he tell he teaches you all about that in in these um in these uh, meditation exercises. But they're guide they're guided meditations, so um. So cool. It's sort of, it's 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 all kind of like self-explanatory when you do them. But um, it's but he has this mantra that he talks about, like you know, you're more than your physical body, and you know, talks about the energy systems. And so I don't and know, man. Like it's like if you're already us, feeling yeah. energy in your body, you're you're probably more in tune than I am. That's for sure. Yeah, no. <laughs> Maybe you'll pick it up super quick. You know, like it's it's, but like yeah, I. One of my friends introduced me to it and she she can astral travel. 
So I've done and that once. She proved, I've done that she's once. Proven, yeah. She's proven to me. So basically we hadn't chatted in like a couple of years and then she, I was doing ayahuasca and no one really knew that I was going to do ayahuasca. Pretty much no one knew. And then during my ayahuasca session, she texted me and was like, are you astral traveling at the moment? And that was like during one of my first ayahuasca nights. That's and wild. Yeah. And we met in the ayahuasca and we met in the ayahuasca uh, in the ayahuasca trip. That's crazy. That's gonna that's I know that's gonna make me sound like super fucking crazy. No, but no, 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 no. I no, know no. what I sound I know crazy. What I, no. I, it's like I know what I experienced. Yeah. And you know, it's but but it's like Huh? Did you see her? Yeah, in the in the in the visions. Yeah, that's so. I mean, it makes sense though. It makes sense. It's like it's just a different realm. That's all it is. Like it's almost like a different dimension. And I mean, once you're able to access it, why wouldn't you be able to meet someone? Like it's the same thing in my dreams. Like I I know for a fact. Like when I felt the energy, like of someone that I knew when I was younger, he died. I felt his energy. I felt. Like when he hugged yeah. me, he floated over and I felt like three strong like energy. Like like you know, it's crazy. Man, it's yeah, it's I I I'm not like I'm just trying to think in my dreams, like I don't think I've had I don't think I've really connected with anyone in dreams. Yeah. Um I mean I've had some crazy dreams, but not where I felt like it's you know, I've connected with my grandma or a dead friend or, or someone. Yeah. Just, but I've had definitely had dreams where I felt like that was fucking as real as real life. But yeah, I've had that too. I've had that too. But I don't know why. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I you know maybe it's just like we just have to become more aware of it. You know, like a lot. Sometimes I just dream and I wake up and I'm like, oh, it's a dream. But sometimes there's been things that have happened that they'll literally wake me up in the middle of the night. Like it's like, <laughs> it's like I know in my dream that it's not my dream anymore. It's like, wait a second. Like something's off. Like I can, you know, it's like almost like, an, I guess maybe my soul's aware of it when I'm sleeping um, mm. to some degree. And then I don't know. It's just all, Man. it's all the unknown. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, what I know, what I know is that there is so much more going on than just our physical reality. Oh, 100%. Like without, without a doubt, I just want to learn how to actually properly tap into oh, what else, you know, yeah. what else is what, what else is there. And, you know, what that would do, like, to actually be like, okay, I'm outside of my body and I'm flying around the city or I'm flying around the world. Insane. Like, like, what that would, like, that would just change you. Like, that would change, how could you not change like really change the core of who you are and the way you perceive reality. But the, even the theory of it and seeing other people's sort of testimonials and, and knowing that it's possible, that changes, that changes the way you see things. But I think actually experiencing it and doing it, I mean, that has That's to totally. just totally fucking flip shit on its head. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I, I can I can only imagine. But I think it's crazy. And it's funny, like I find that stuff like more <laughs> I find that stuff way more intriguing than, you know, 
building, you know, building or rebuilding a music career. Like, I mean, of course I love music and I'm always going to do it, but it's almost like, is that what my main, main focus wants to be? Yeah, or is it like, <laughs> you know, exploring like, this road? Like, or do yeah. I want to be able to be like, hey, I'm going astral traveling tonight, you know, it's and cool. be able to do that shit at will. Like, that fucking gets me excited. Going, man. yeah. No, really no, 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 no. I know, I know, I know. Because it's like, I think that that's also connected. Like, if you could, if you could experience that, I think that's also connected to like what happens after you die, and it just makes your life have so much more like meaning and just like understanding. And that's what that's what people are saying. You know, like that's what the testimonials from these people are saying. Right? It's like, you know, it's like we live these. I think a, a lot of people, we just live such a small existence. Yeah. It's crazy. Compared to, what's to, compared to what's available to us. I know. So, it's just like, it's crazy to me. I think we all get so caught up in like materialistic things. And like, I mean, every, I think everyone does to a degree. But it's like, when you realize, you know, when you take a step back and you just realize that, like you were saying before, there's so much more going on and like, just like what the actual meaning of life is, you know, like you could be grateful with whatever you have. Um, I just think it's, I agree. it's fascinating. Man, I, yeah, I agree, man. It's like, I think we all, you know, people want to be on, people want to figure out what the meaning of life is. People want to figure out what their purpose is, what is really fucking going on here, you know? And I think it doesn't get much better than fucking being able to really, see the other side or you know like do the stuff like leaving your body or getting into these meditative states where you're traveling through the fucking universe like crazy you can't even like like, i know it makes it makes it makes playing like main stage edc feel like really pathetic (laughs) when you can say i just like astral traveled around the other side of the world like (laughs) like really though that's so funny do you know what i mean so funny yeah no, I do. I do. Oh my god, that's so cool though. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Oh man, people are gonna think people are gonna think I'm crazy after this interview. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> you know what? People already th- people already think I'm crazy when I start talking about this stuff and they're like, What? Like but I think it's one of those things like I don't think that people will find this interesting unless well that's not true. But like I feel like if you've kind of experienced something similar. Because like that's the only way you can relate to someone. If you've had any experience that's been like some sort of like spiritual experience and then you hear something like this, like it makes you feel like you feel like you understand. But if you've never had any yeah. spiritual experience, like how can you relate? It almost sounds like foreign. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, and for me too, like, I mean, with from all the experiences I've had on ayahuasca and all the crazy trips and stuff, like it's like, I know that you can get to those states without taking anything. You don't have to. It could be, you could just be through meditation. You know? Yeah. So for me, that's like, you know, that's what I want to do now. And then I think getting to those states without taking anything, then it's got to feel so real. You know, mm-hmm. like then, then you know it's real, real, not just, well, was it, was I just tripping balls? Cause I was, yeah. I yeah. And I thought I was in another dimension. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, was yeah. I really having dinner with aliens? Were yeah. they really aliens or was I just seeing them, you know, like, yeah. like, cause that's what happened one night, you know, like I was literally having dinner with aliens. 
Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like you can't well, even. Yeah. Actually, I was having dinner with them. Yeah, who's to say? Who's to say? No, I mean the thing is, is like I mean that technically was your reality at that point. <laughs> but if you can be like getting to, but if you can be like getting to those states and communicating, you know, with these other dimensions by not taking drugs, then yeah. Have you ever been That's to a medium? It's got to feel more real, right? Yeah. Have you ever been to a medium? Oh, a long time ago. Really? I have long a, I have a really, ago. actually, I have a really good contact. I don't, there's a lot of people that are not, you know, I, this it's like, it, this, a lot of the spirituality stuff can be kind of a gray area because I feel like there are experts, but then there's also a lot of people that I would consider to be like, like more like, there's like a lot frauds. of charlatans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of charlatans. It's kind of, you have to like pick and choose what you think like works well, but there's this one, um, there's this one girl I go to and sometimes I even do sessions with her. Just like, I'll just do it on zoom. I see her maybe like once a year. Um, but she's awesome mm -hmm. and she just, she's a medium. So she connects with people who have died. Um, but she just, channels things things that you know no one only know people only know but you it's yeah, not like you know right. what i mean you can't there's just things that she said i'm like i don't under like like there's no one that knows that except for me like how do you fucking know this? you can't know that you know what i mean it's like and i've been to other mediums that you're like okay this is like so generic or like there's just things that she says that you're just like holy shit oh, man so i'm okay. kind of scared i'm kind of scared yeah. to go to one because like i just but she's I, really I cool. Just, she's not crazy. Like she's actually very with it too. Like super cool personality. Just like I don't know. Like she like she's not she's not like one of those people that are like out there or not with it that you're kinda I don't know. Just like yeah, what's going yeah. on? Yeah. She's like actually with it. Alright. Um yeah. but she told me hook me, I, hook me up. I'll hook you up. I asked her, I was like, how like how did you get into this? You know, and she was like, Well, when I was younger, um my mom used to do like the makeup um for like basically people in funeral homes. And she used to be able to recite like the stories of people who have died. And she was like, at first my mom just thought I was like, you know, just making stuff up. But they started to like realize that these stories were like in sync. And she said that as she got older, she kind of suppressed it. And then um, early yeah. in her thirties, she found someone who was kind of like her mentor and started like developing yeah. her gifts more with her. Basically. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Have you seen have you seen there's a Netflix series on um this spirituality stuff. Basically there's an episode on these kids that can remember their life before their previous lifetimes. Ooh, it's like past life like, regression. But, Interesting. Sorry? It's like past life regression. Yeah. But they can remember, so they'll be like, Oh yeah, so so this one kid, he's like, he's into planes and he just loves it. And he's like, yeah, I used to be a pilot. And the mum was like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> he's like, yeah. no, I used to fly. I used to fly in like, like overseas or something. And then, and then she was like, oh, show, show us where. And then you get on a map and he'd be like, oh, I used to fly there. Turns out like he, and then he's like, yeah, I got shot down in World War II. I was like, <laughs> I'm, literally they would quiz and the kid got a hundred percent of the questions right about the person's life. He said it was, and there's all the kids that were getting tested were all getting one yeah. and, and not just like, they'd be like, what would, what did your wife look like? He's like that one. That's my wife. 
which one was your, did you have any kids? Yeah, that was my daughter. But then what they say is like the kids, like the overtime, the kids' memories fade of the previous life. So it's, it's like a phenomenon with younger kids, like well, pre, that's... like 10. Mm-hmm. Isn't that so crazy? It's like, it's like, yeah, like that has to be like, that alone has to be some kind of proof that in reincarnation or like, mm-hmm. you know, past lives or, 100 percent oh man 100%. And God, that shit blows my mind it's crazy yeah we talked about it in my class like we just talk about like past life regression and like um just like the journey of your soul and how like um you know basically like you you live a life and then you know you die and it's like rebirth um and my my professor like he he was saying how he believes that we get to choose the situation that we're in like so you literally like you mm. chose your parents and like your soul mm. chose like the like the, the the hardships that you have to go through in your life until like you you die and then you go yeah. you go through it again um but it's but imagine okay so so imagine this right imagine that you know that in theory right but then imagine being able to astral travel and meet with you know people in these other dimensions or whatever it's called where it's like, and then you could actually know this. Yeah. Like you can actually know, like, like not just be theoretical, but yeah. actually you fucking know because you've gone into the spirit world yeah. or whatever it's called. And, yeah. and, you know, like that's the thing, man. It's like, I think it's like the difference between having the knowledge and, but actually like living it. Well, people like are using the piano analogy because I'm a piano player. And it's like, you know, it takes years and years and years it takes like over a decade to become an amazing piano player right mm-hmm. so why would developing spiritual gifts why would that be any different like why i mean it take it would maybe it won't take 10 years but, but like, you know over time you develop why, them more yeah. like like you... if it doesn't like people might expect it to happen in like a month or even becoming a really good meditator like I mean, I say that in inverted commas, a good meditator, because, you know, maybe there's no such thing. But, yeah. But you know, obviously the more you meditate, you know, the deeper you can go. It's like you can't just expect that from one meditation or from a week of meditation or doing one meditation every couple of months. It's like you have to fucking practice every day. 100%. You and have to I put in the work. Yeah. Any skills need, need, need the work, need the time. Um. Yeah, man. Wow. This is getting me excited. I know. I'm like, I'm like, now I have to start looking up like books on like how to astral project. Like I feel like I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) We don't need drugs or substances to like get us to have these experiences. We can do it sober. Yeah. We can do it. Like we have that technology in our body. We just haven't learned how to use it. We haven't. Years ago, they, they used to use it a lot. But then I think, you know, as we just like evolved and we kind of forgotten about it. And I think it's so interesting how our culture specifically, like in America, I feel like, I mean, now it's getting brought to the surface more, but there's no spirituality. Like I found that like, I mean, obviously people are getting into it more and it's becoming like more like, I guess like mainstream to some degree. But like, I just feel how it's so interesting. I'm like, I feel like it just feels like so surface level versus like there's a lot of other like different cultures that I feel like for years, you know, if you look back, like they have so many different spiritual practices and 
Yeah, I mean, well, look, I mean, the Native Americans had that. You they know, did. The, Amer- the Native Americans, they did, but and they just got fucking demolished. By, uh, yeah, our by, society. Yeah. By the whites. It's horrible. That's the original spiritualism of, of, of this country. But, I mean, it's obviously got overtaken by white Christianity. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and just like. Which I think was all about control, um, not really having a, a spiritual connection with God at all. I think it was about control and manipulation, right, like of the masses. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm probably going to get roasted over saying that. <laughs> <laughs> we can cut I'm it a, out. We, we can cut it out. Ca- we can cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good Catholic boy. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, I was, I was raised Catholic. But, um, yeah, I, I – uh, you know, I just, I have more of like, I know, I believe that there's a higher power. I just, I feel like there's truth to all different religions. And I feel like it's, I don't know. I just think that like, it's all perspective. Like, I don't necessarily think that like there's religions that are wrong or right. Like it's almost like a ritual and community. Yeah, totally. And it's like, you know, just because someone's Christian doesn't mean that they can't be spiritual. Like, mm-hmm. like for I'll use my mum as an example. Like, I think like I used to give my mum a hard time about being Catholic, probably for at least a decade, maybe fifteen years, maybe longer. Um, and it's only been in the last few years that I've just understood that you know she loves to pray, and when she prays, she gets into this state where she feels connected. And mum used to say, oh, I've got a personal relationship with Jesus. And I used to, oh, I used to give her so much shit about that. Yeah. And I actually understand it now. Like she's connecting to something. She connecting calls it Jesus something. and God. Yeah. But it doesn't matter what she calls it. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what I call it. It's the same thing. It's the exact it's as long same as thing. Yeah. Making the connection. 100%. So, 100%. Yeah. And whatever it takes for you to feel that connection and everyone's different, whether it's praying, you could, I mean, for me, I don't sit there with my hands together. I like, I just literally will just think, you know, even if it's a couple times a day, like, you know, I'm grateful for something or like, actually sometimes I'll like write, like I'll, I've like written a letter before to God, like, just like, it's almost like therapy. Like it's like journaling, but like, just also just like talking. And I feel, I feel really connected when I do that. Um, I don't know. Is it like your um, what's this technique called where you're just writing like that automatic writing? I it's like a download. Like, Do you mean a download? Yeah, but it, there's a there's a specific name for it. Fuck. Uh, where it's like I just know you're just writing whatever like is like you're not thinking about what you're writing. Just I think it's like, automatic writing. Up. I think that's what the word is or the yeah the term. Right, automatic right. writing. Yeah. Um, Mm. yeah you know it's just it feels very i don't know i feel like it's it feels like you have a a personal like relationship you know what i mean it's it's really cool especially when you do every day and you you either like write or you just like you know you connect and like you think like it's over time you build it and um you know it's crazy with this podcast and i haven't i haven't released any episodes yet um i'm releasing starting this week but Basically, I well, this is what's crazy. So my the medium that I went to like two years ago, she was telling me how I was gonna start up a podcast, and I was like, ah, like whatever. Like I, she's like, it's something about like body, mind, and soul. Like I don't know, like, duh. and I was like in my head, I'm like, I could never picture myself doing that. Like I don't know what she's talking about. So <laughs> <laughs> this past year, I was like, um, 
I don't know. I was like, I felt really lost one night. And I just was like, I remember I was like praying to God and I was like, I don't know why. I just feel so lost. Like, please like lead me in the right direction. And before this, um, I work at a technology company right now, but before this, I was like doing a lot of stuff with like health and fitness. So like I was like a personal trainer and an online coach, but like it just didn't feel right. And the day, the day after I prayed, I just knew I woke up and I was like, I have to do a podcast. I was like, I don't know what like this is going to be about, but I like had this like epiphany. I was like, yeah. and And then it just went back full circle. I was like, oh my God, she told me that like two years ago but i didn't even i didn't even like associate it when it happened i just felt like i was like it feels so right like i feel like it feels we so gotta, aligned i think it's so important for us to follow our hunches man like like we just like have these things that it's like i need to do that and yeah. we don't do it like not necessarily you or me but like you know i mean well definitely me i've there's stuff that in the past i've like felt like I should do it and I haven't done it. And then it's like blown up in my face later. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, I, like I should have, I should have followed my gut feeling yeah. or that hunch that And you I ignored had. it in the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've all done it. Or when you ignore it, you ignore it and you ignore it. And it, you know, it's like that this energy builds up and the frustration builds or whatever. And then once you sort of do what it is, then it's like, it's, there's a release, you know, yeah. it's like, Oh fuck, I should have done that a year ago. Yeah. 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 hundred <laughs> percent. I know. So, I know. I know. It's, but we're not, we're not taught to act like that. You know, we're taught to be logical. logical. About things. We're taught to use our head, you know, which is but I, and I think probably it's, valuable it has, sometimes. It has a time and a place. <laughs> sometimes you just know. And it's like, it's so hard to pinpoint like intuition and like to say like, intuition's actually real but i mean most of the time it's it's like your internal compass and most of the time it is right for what you need to do like that is so that's exactly right it's your internal compass right i think you just summed it up perfectly it is it's really cool you like i did i did sum it up i did i did (laughs) it's so funny i'm amazing i am (laughs) Welcome to the Ash X Podcast.